All right, part three of Lessons from Favorites. We're, um, most of us have a few favorite stories from the Bible. Even if, you, even if you didn't grow up in church, you've heard some of the Bible stories and maybe seen some on TV, whether it be uh, the Israelites coming out of Egypt and the story of Moses and that, or David and Goliath or whatever. And we talked about David and Goliath the first Sunday and learned some lessons from that. Last week we looked at the story of Joseph, which takes up almost a third of the first book of the Bible. Uh, the one we're going to be sharing today doesn't take up quite that much of the, of the Bible, but it is a powerful story. Uh, it's found in First, first Kings chapter 17. And let me give you just a little bit of background because it may not be quite as, as famous or as well known as David and Goliath or the story of Joseph. Uh, you've probably heard this a few times if you ever watch Christian TV during one of their telethons. They would probably, probably have used this story in uh, there. But here's just a little bit of a background of this story before we get started. Ahab was the king of Israel, and if you don't recognize King Ahab's name, you'll probably recognize his wife's name because he married this evil woman named Jezebel. You ever heard of Jezebel? I don't know of anybody that names their daughters Jezebel. Uh, just a hint, don't do it. She influenced Ahab to bring Baal worship into Israel, which is total disobedience to God. Baal was the God of rain and water. Now, Elijah was a prophet of God in Israel at the time that, that this was all happening, and he prophesied to King Ahab because of what he was doing, he said in verse 1 of, of uh, 1 Kings 17, As surely as God of Israel lives, the God I serve, there will be no dew or rain for the next few years until I give the word. So remember, Baal is the God <laughs> of rain and water. And God directed Elijah to prophesy saying, all right, we're going to see about your God because there's not going to be any water for the next few years until it's prophesied again. So after giving that word, God told Elijah to go hide east of town beside a brook. And he said, you can drink water from the brook and then and I will direct the ravens to bring you food. Then after, then after a while, with no rain, the brook dried up. And that's um, when I probably would have prayed, <laughs> send some rain, Lord. I would have prophesied. But that's not what Elijah did. And that's where we pick up the story in verse 8 of 1 Kings chapter 17, verse 8. Then the Lord said to Elijah, after the brook had dried up, he said, go and live in the village of Zarephath, 
near the city of, of Sidon, I have instructed a widow there to feed you. So he went to Zarephath, and he arrived at the gates of the village, and he saw a widow gathering sticks, and he asked her, Would you please just bring me a little water in a cup? And as she was going to get it, he called out to her, Hey, bring me a bite of bread too. But she said, I swear by the Lord your God that I don't have a single piece of bread in the house. And I have only a handful of flour left in the jar and a little cooking oil in the bottom of the jug. I was just gathering a few sticks to cook this last meal and then my son and I will die. But Elijah said to her, don't be afraid. Over and over again. I love that phrase because over and over and over again throughout the Bible, God always brings a word. Don't be afraid. Go ahead and do just what you've said, but make a little bread for me first. Then use what's left to prepare a meal for yourself and your son. For this is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. There will always be flour and olive oil left in your containers until the time when the Lord sends rain and the crops grow again. So she did as Elijah said, and she she and Elijah and her family continued to eat for many days. There was always enough flour and olive oil left in the containers, just as the Lord had promised through Elijah. God, I pray as we open up your word today that you would open up our hearts to receive what you have for us. God, don't let us just gain knowledge, but let us be changed by your word and let us apply it to our lives. In Jesus' name, and everybody see it? Amen. There's a whole bunch of lessons, again, on every one of these stories. There's a lot of lessons that we can learn. But I want us just to look at a few of these this morning that stood out to me, and hopefully they'll speak to you. The first lesson is God sees and cares about you even after you've given up. God sees and he cares about you even after you've given up. You can tell that this widow had given up. She was probably heartbroken about her husband's death and she was stressed out on what to do. She didn't, have a, she didn't know what to do. She had lost her husband and, and, a, and she had a son that was still dependent upon her and she didn't have any money. It seems that, he had, that she had lost all hope of any way out of her situation. I don't know, there may be some here this morning. Have you ever experienced that kind of a situation? I promise you that I have. I don't know if, if she actually thought she was going to die or if she had just given up and was wishing that she could die. But it was obvious that she had given up hope. I've never been... I've never been suicidal. Thank goodness. But I did go through one season of such financial strain that I, I truly felt that Mickey and the kids would have been better if I could have just died. I felt, and I'm, confession is good for the soul. And I honestly felt at that time that they would, 
the, the main struggle that they would have would be feeling guilty about how short, I knew they would be sorrow and they would experience, you know, they'd really be sorry that, I, that they would hurt, but they would struggle with how short-lived that was whenever the life insurance check came. <laughs> and and it, would, it would take care of that financial strain that we were in the middle of. That's, and there may be some that are feeling kind of like that right now. You're not suicidal, but you're in such strain that where you want to, you, you want to just give up. May not be financial, it may be something else. God saw this widow in the midst of that situation, and he sees and he cares about you as well. Even whenever, even if you're at a place of giving up. Another lesson that we see is that many times God uses unlikely relationships to bring provision. Many times God uses unlikely relationships to bring provision. The passage said that God instructed this widow <laughs> to feed Elijah. Now, if I were the widow and God told me, the, there's, the prophet's going to come in, and so I want you to feed him. And if, if I were in the situation that that widow was in, in my mind, I would be thinking, man, he's going to be pulling a, a, a wagon full of groceries, and I can't wait to get some of those groceries so I can cook for him. And if I would have been Elijah, I, w I would have been thinking, Man, I've been out here by this brook, been eating roadkill for a few days that the, the, these ravens have been bringing to me. I'm ready for a good home-cooked meal. I can't wait to get to this, this old widow who was married to this rich guy, and he died and left her all kinds of money, and she's going to have all kinds of provisions. Man, it's going to be a great place. <laughs> and all of a sudden, this widow, Elijah, drives up, with no groceries whatsoever, and asked for her last biscuit, not just some water. And Elijah drives up and sees this widow that is depressed and desperate and doesn't have anything. Because God uses unlikely relationships many times. People that we would not even expect and sometimes places that we would never expect that his provision would come from to bring provision in our lives. Never put God in a box. Just keep on letting your heart burn for him and be open for him to do what he wants to do from whomever, for whomever, from wherever that he wants to bring provision and help. Amen? All right. <clears throat> that leads to the next lesson. Just because you have a, a very little doesn't mean that you have nothing to contribute. Just because you have very little doesn't mean that you have nothing to contribute. And I'm not talking about money. There's some that think, man, I can't sing like 
that. Or I don't have this ability, I don't have this ability. You're looking at everything that you don't have instead of the little bit that you do have that God wants to use. The widow felt like she had so little that it was, in her mind, she even said it, that it's really nothing. I don't have anything. I don't have anything but that little bit with God's help can do a lot. It wasn't even enough for her and her son, much less for anyone else. And yet, she took the little that she had because that moves to the next lesson. No matter how little you have, what you do have is enough for God. No matter what little you have, what you do have is enough for God. Whether it be the widow with her little bit of flour and oil or, or the, you remember in the New Testament, the, the kid that had the five loaves and the two fish that fed 5,000 or us with whatever we have when we give it to Christ, whenever we give it and we offer it and we surrender it to the Lord Jesus, He can multiply it to not only meet our needs, to be, but to also be a blessing to others. Several years ago, <clears throat> Mickey and I, uh, our family, honestly, we planted a church in Franklin, Tennessee. It was us and we had this older couple. That's all there was for us to plant this plant this church in, in Tennessee, and um, well, we'd been there for about a year, and <clears throat> wanted to, felt like we really needed to, to, um, to get a house. We were in a, a small apartment there, and so <clears throat> after we went in January, we started in January, and October, they, uh, the, the small group that was there did a pastor appreciation thing and, and, um, and took up an offering or something. I, it, it was like $1,400, which I was blown away. I was so thankful for that. A little bit before that, we had met, had our little family meeting, and I'd told the kids that uh, we were wanting to buy a house, and so if we said no about some stuff, we're putting money back to, to buy a house. That $1,400 came in, and <clears throat> there was a single mom in the church that had given her heart to the Lord and had several kids and that type of thing, and really, Mickey and I felt like the Lord was directing us to her, her car motor blew up, or I can't remember, it was something that cost about almost the exact amount is what came in on our pastor appreciation thing. So we felt the Lord was directing us to take care of that for her. We were, we didn't have any money. We had a few people in the church that had just, I mean, brand new folks. They had, they had money, but they weren't, they were very, uh, new in their relationship with God and <clears throat> well one of the guys that was on our board saw that I'd, 
I did it through the church so that she wouldn't know where it came from. And um, so he said, Michael, or Pastor Michael, I saw that, that, you know, this, whenever we were going over the financials, he said, I saw that this money came out that you and Mickey gave for this, designated for this, and um, don't you think the people in the church might, he was new in faith, don't you think that the people in the church might get upset if they knew that you gave the money away that they just gave you? And I said, well, I hope not. I mean, they gave it to me. I said, this is the way that I've, this is the way that I've always lived. I said, you don't worry about me. You know, God is all, this is the way we've always lived. God will do something. Anyway, took that little bit. In January, and this has never happened again, just to let you know. The same guy came to me after church. He just happened to be ushering that day. And he said, Pastor Michael, there was a, <clears throat> there was a check in the, in the offering this morning that was said, uh, made out to y'all a love gift to the pastor. And I said, well, praise God. He said, it was a good check. I said, well, praise God. He said, you might want to sit down. I said, I believe I will. It was a check for $10,000, which gave me the opportunity, again, that's never happened to me again, but gave me the opportunity to look at this man and say, brother, you remember back in October, whenever I, and just so happened that exact Sunday, Mickey was looking in the classifieds in the paper. I know that some of y'all don't even know what classifieds in a paper are. And there was a there was a house for sale by owner in the classifieds that we were able to go. I mean, we had only been there for a short period of time. The bank wouldn't wouldn't finance us. We hadn't been there long enough. We were a new a new church. We did a lease option for a year with, took that money to put down to get that lease option. It's amazing what can happen whenever you decide that the little bit that God has given you is His, and if you will let Him use the little bit that you have, how He will provide for you and how you can be a blessing to others as he continually blesses you. Isn't that awesome? And if we all will learn to live the lesson that we see not, not just on the finances. We're not taking an offering today. Just If you're thinking that, that's an extra offering or anything. We will be taking an offering. Don't let me say that. But it's not about some extra offering. I'm talking about how we live our lives. If we will live our lives in a way that 
Lord, instead of saying, I don't have what that person has, I don't have what that person has, I don't have what that person has, but I'm going to give you and let you use what I do have. It's enough. That's enough for God because that leads to the next point. God never asks us to contribute what we don't have. He, he does ask us to let him use what we do have. God's not asking you to give what this other person, he's not asking you to be a, a, to get up here on stage and sing if you don't have a talent to sing. In fact, we ain't gonna let you. We're gonna turn the music up louder so that we can't hear you. But there's a place. He doesn't ask us to, to give what we to give what we don't have. He does ask us to let him use what we do have. God's question is always, do you trust me with what you have? And will you surrender what you have? Will you allow me to use what you have? And if we will live our lives in a way of, of trusting him, even if we go through extremely difficult times, whenever you come through on the other side of that, if you are living your life, Lord, I'm going to trust you and I'm going to let you use the talents that I have. I'm going to let you use what I have in my life to be able to work through me because I, I can trust you better than I can trust myself. It's amazing whenever you get on the other side of that, you will have a testimony of the grace, the power, and even sometimes what is unexplainable to the point where you say, that was a miracle of God. And he will use even the difficult times of your life to minister to people that are going through difficult times to where you can say, I have been exactly where you've been. In fact, he says, I can even use your failures to be a blessing to others if you will just surrender your failures to me. Because God never asks us to contribute what we don't have. He does ask us to let him use what we do have. And Seth, you can come on back. God's message to his followers has always been the same as it was to the widow. Don't be afraid. Because you can trust me. Just obey me. Because you can trust me. This leads to the last lesson that we're going to talk about this morning. The level of God's supply for our need is limited only to our level of surrender to him. The level of God's supply for our needs is limited only to our level of surrender to Him. <clears throat> now I'm going to ask a question, and, and I mean, this is a hypothetical, <clears throat> but I have my opinion. Do you think 
that that oil and flour would have kept on multiplying and there would have been, it would have kept, she would experience that. If the widow would have gone and got a cup of water but didn't fix a biscuit for Elijah. I would say there's a good chance that it wouldn't. I mean, the grace of God goes a long ways. But our confidence in trusting Him is increased when even whenever we say, like the widow did, all I've got, man, I'm... I'm I have already given up. I'm, I'm picking up sticks right now to go and burn and heat up some oil and throw a get us some, some uh, what do you call it, hot water cornbread. We're going to fry up a little bit of cornbread. And then we're going we're gonna to die. She said that. But what did she do? She went and made made some bread, mixed up the oil, heated it up, put some flour in there, fixed that biscuit, didn't even have any butter to put on it, and brought the water and some food to Elijah in obedience to God. Whenever that happened, the promises always follow obedience. And our confidence and the promises of God following always is increased whenever we're walking in obedience. So I want to encourage you. To increase the confidence. The Bible says if our heart doesn't condemn us, we have confidence before God. And it goes on to say, if we have confidence before God, we we know that He hears us. And if we know that He hears us, we know that He's going to answer us. So whatever the need is, I want to encourage you. Don't limit the supply that God has for whatever need you whatever need you have because I promise you God is enough he has enough and he is enough you may be here or watching this morning and feel exactly like this re- this widow ready to give up and feel like that you have nothing to contribute. Again, I'm not talking about money. Because you can have all the money in the world and still feel like giving up. God says the same thing to us as He said to the widow. Don't be afraid. Trust me. And you're saying all I have to contribute is a big old, big old 
bucket of sin. Jesus says, I'll take it. I can even use that. Lord, right now,